Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Black Sons Furnace with me, Robert. My lap Mo out here. Yes, and once again, Peter has filled the furnace by not. Fun. It's, it's a madness. You know, Trash. You know. last week we were like, oh, the furnace is going to be together. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Come like holy matrimony until death do us part in that. Me. And then shagged it next week. Bruv, ever since Peter became a father, he's become a whole different man. <laughs> <laughs> His priorities are just They're so all wrong. <laughs> So, in Peter's place, we have someone who is a lot more easy on the eyes. We have Miss Simi with us again. Woo! Hi! And Simi... Uh, but you know what? You said a lot more easier on the eyes, but they, they can't see her. True. But they can imagine her from her voice. Ooh. Hey, have you, heard, have you heard radio voices? And have you seen the faces matching <laughs> the radio voices? It's magic, you know? true. It's crazy. Like, even football commentators, like, when you see their real face, you're like, oh, wow. Is that you? No, you know, the one, the one that gets me is like, you know when you have worship songs, yeah? Mm. And, and, then, and then you imagine the guy that, <laughs> that did it. Like, the guys like Matt Redmond. Um, and you seem like, right, you wrote this song. <laughs> you ain't no rock star. <laughs> it was definitely Grace. <laughs> wow. But yeah, um, Simi has put herself forward for Sorry Not Sorry this week. Woo! I did not. You bulldozed me into it. I said, Simi, it's we cool. do Sorry Not Sorry. You said, cool. And I said, No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simi's doing Sorry Not Sorry this week. This is our apologetic segment where um, we throw questions at the person in the hot seat and they have to defend it. Could be questions that maybe the believer or non-believer might ask. Mm. And yeah, put you to the test. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, cool. I'll go first? Yep, cool. go for it. So, so when it comes to God, mm-hmm. sin is sin, more or less. Mm. Except for the unpardonable sin. That was, What's the unpardonable that's sin? That's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> That was a bad thing. I did not answer the question. Just no. just I feel like when it comes to um, unpardonable sin, people say that it's different now than it was back then. And I don't know if, how, how much I agree with that. Um, but that's a conversation for another time. What is the unpardonable sin? It's when you... Um, grieve the spirit? Grieve the spirit. Mm. It's not the unpardonable sin. No, because Jesus, G- um, Jesus mentioned unpardonable sin when they were saying that he was casting out demons by the power of um, the devil. And he said all sins to be pardoned apart from um, certain, so he said a specific word. And the, the way that I've understood it is when you actively recognize the work of God by attributing it to the devil. Mm. So it's like saying the Holy Spirit is the devil. That's an unpardonable Jeez. sin. So okay. that's how I've understood it. So you can't get forgiveness from that? You're calling God the devil. How are you going to get forgiveness from that? Right, everyone, make, everyone makes mistakes. No, no, no. no, no, no. This is, this is, that's, that's what I'm saying. When you know, when like, you know it's, it's intentional. It's like you're, because of your hate towards Jesus, you, you're seeing the good work that he is act- tangibly doing and you're attributing that work to the devil. Okay, so you have to, so, so you have, to have an understanding of Jesus. Yeah, before we can you need to have an understanding and understanding of what he's doing, who he is. Not necessarily who he is because it was from the Pharisees who knew God and like had his word and everything, but yet were attributing the acts of Jesus to the devil. Mm. And so it's very much like you can recognize God, you can recognize his handiwork here, but you're still attributing it to the devil. Yeah. I think that that is the unpardonable sin. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so um, to God, more or less, all sins are equal. Mm. So with that in mind, do you think that as Christians, we should view all sins as equal as well? So the person who, who lies should get um, punished the same way as the person who steals or murders? Mm. Okay. Um, so, just like you guys have said, there is sin, uh-huh. and then there's the unpardonable sin. Mm. So, don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think there are actually differences in how 
um, God reacts to certain sins and how, as humans, we morally react mm. to sins. Okay. So things like the unpardonable sin, realistically, it doesn't affect any of us. So if someone blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, nothing's going to happen to you. Your arm's not going to break. You're not going to die kind of thing. But to God, it's a major thing. Mm. Like, and it has wow. certain consequences. Um, so I think that because different sins have different effects on both us and God. I think that we have to treat them slightly differently. Mm. So um, something like you were saying, stealing, and you're also saying, what was the other one? And killing. So if you've stolen something, it has an effect on the person that you stole from. Mm -hmm. So retribution has to be made. Either you pay the person back or Mm. you go to jail or whatever. Whatever the society deems as a suitable punishment. Because um, the pu- punishment is also to serve as a deterrent for mm. other people that are going to commit that same sin. Um, something like murdering, someone has now died. So you have to pay restitution. You can't bring back the person from the dead. Jesus so <laughs> I'm just saying, isn't it? <laughs> right, <laughs> Lazarus. Um, so <laughs> something has to be done. Again, t- to serve as restitution and then also to um, deter other people. Okay. Um, but then... I feel like everybody thinks that all sins are equal in the Bible, but I don't think they are. Because I've noted some parts in the Bible where there's some sins that are sins, and then there's some that you sin against your own body, mm. and there's sins that lead to death, and sins that don't lead to death. Mm. So I feel that even in the Bible, there are gradations of sin. There's mm. levels to sin. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's levels. Um, so yeah, I think that in accordance to the level or the depth of that sin, you should be... Um, and who do you think gets to decide what these levels of sin are? Sorry? Who do you think gets to decide who the levels of sin are? See I think me. it's in the See Bible. Me. Did you say what? No. Um, I think it's already in the Bible. So you've there got you go. the unpardonable sin. That one on earth, you don't need to be punished for it because God's already going to punish you for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Um, then there's the sins that lead to death. And it says, I think it was First John... If if someone you know has committed a sin that doesn't lead to death, like talk to them, let them know, you know, mm. this isn't right. And then whatever then comes, most of those are smaller ones, like maybe lying or dishonoring your mother and father, things that in the grand scheme of things aren't that mm. deep. And then there's the sins that lead to death, things like adultery and other things down that path. And those have their own effects on society. Mm. So... Okay, I'm happy with that. You happy with that? Yeah, this? yeah, I'm really happy with that. Um, yeah, I think you did it well. I think you definitely drew out the fact that there are levels to it. I'm happy with that. Cool. What is yeah. this? Um, so, from my point, from my perspective, and I'm sorry, but from my perspective, and the reason I'm saying sorry is because there's almost like sub-branches based on your answer. So, yeah. it, might, it might become like a web of questions. Spider-Man. But um, Spider-Man. I want to take advantage <laughs> of having a female on Sorry Not Sorry. Jeez. And Yo, go from man, that's how you get sent to prison. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Take advantage of a female. Wow. Okay. Hey, it's not it's not our Kelly type thing, you know. Um, nah. So I'm I'm trying to get what's your perspective of females in ministry. Okay. So are you saying females? Um, I guess leading churches and becoming. Let's ministers? start from there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> hmm. <laughs> It's something I've looked into a mm. lot over the past few hey, I'm years. I'm asking the right person. I like this. <laughs> and it's still something I don't, I'm not clear on. Mm. So at first, when I first started looking into it, a lot of people used to say, oh, but that was, um, I think, was it Timothy that said it? 
Um, but that that was the Old Testament, you know. There was, um, it was to a specific group of people, mm. and because the women in that particular area were this and that, Difficult that's why times. he said it. Mm. And um, and I I used, to, I used to say, okay, yeah, that's cool. I think I'm happy with that. So yeah, women be preaching, do your thing. Mm. But then I I read other, I guess, commentaries and mm. did my own study, and I just felt if you're willing to take some of the New Testament, you have to be able to willing be able to be willing to take all of it. You mm. can't pick and choose and say, "Oh, well, mm. that was cultural." That was. Mm. Um, it's been difficult. It's not something I've completely resolved. I think this is fine. There's a difference yeah. between women leading in a church mm-hmm. and women speaking in a church. Mm. Yeah. I feel like there's nothing wrong with women speaking. It's the leading that I'm not 100 percent sure of. Okay, so, so you wouldn't mind like uh, not wouldn't mind, but. Um, don't necessarily see something wrong with a woman within um, the leadership team, mm. but seeing a woman as the leader mm. is something that almost like is a great area for you. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm just gonna hate you so much. No, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel so, like that's just that's my understanding at the moment. Okay, and it can change. So with men, quote unquote, the head of the household, mm. and women part of the leadership team. How then does that dynamic remain if we see... And this is something I'm thinking about myself, so I'm not necessarily trying to project my qualms or anything, but I was just thinking through it. As I said, I'm taking advantage of a female voice to kind of th- throw these things around. Um, so if, if the man is ahead of the household and the body of the Christ is led by Jesus, and like Paul says, um, the head of the woman is a man, and the head of the man is Jesus mm. and stuff like that, then it's like with, within the church setting, how do we maintain, if should that balance be maintained within church, in your opinion? What, so that... So um, the, the man leading, um, as in the... Um, so the, the, call to be, the call to eldership within, not the call, but the criteria for eldership, Within, I think it's Timothy. It's saying a man should be the husband of one wife, leader of his household, and so there's the recognition that you need to lead your household and to serve within your household in a manner that is worthy of the leadership of a church. Mm-hmm. And if that was directly attributed to a man, how does that then how does that then carry over to to the church? Or should it carry over to the church? Obviously, Paul says, if he wants that position, then he needs to be doing this at home, attributes, attributing it to a man. But then how do you, in your opinion, does it flesh out in the church? This, this is like a long-winded yeah, question. Yeah, it's such a complex yeah. question. Um. Should it? If it should, how? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to kind of pick, uh, pick this through. Because, yeah. Mm, I feel like what... What is in your household mm-hmm. should kind of remain in your household. So mm-hmm. you're the leader yeah. of your household, you're the head, your wife is the the second in command or whatever, then you have your children and that's that's your domain. Mm-hmm. I feel that when you then come to church, I don't know, I feel like that should kind of be left behind. Mm-hmm. So Okay, that's good. You are a leader mm-hmm. in church and then you're, I guess, the leader of the people in church. Mm. I'm not sure how the your house then influences that. Yeah. Okay. Because I was looking at it from the perspective of the criteria to be a leader within the church is that you're 
a faithful and honest leader at home. Mm. And so if that is then taken into consideration to lead within the church, how then should that influence your leadership within the church? Mm. If it should. Yeah. But um, there, should, there can be distinctions between that. And I think the last question is if a woman is convicted or convinced of the man being the head and so women shouldn't take overall leadership, how does that or should it flesh out into the secular world where a woman becomes a CEO, a woman of faith becomes a CEO of a company, having authority and like managerial position over men? So I feel that the church, I think, is different from the, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the way that we've left the house mm-hmm. when we're coming to the church, I feel like the women not being having places of authority I feel like that's also just in church for the outside church I I don't see any reason why a woman shouldn't lead Mm. especially because there's just so much in the world there's so many businesses there's so many Mm. areas Mm -hmm. and really we want Christians to infiltrate every single sector every business whether it's oil and gas whether it's health whether it's lifestyle. That was such a random one to start with, oil and gas. Because I'm Nigerian. So <laughs> <laughs> the oil and gas. <laughs> yeah, so, and I feel that if we just leave that to men, then mm. it, it just, it won't happen. Okay, yeah. Because again, the reason I made that trajectory and I, I tried, to, tried to specify a woman who has the conviction that men ought to lead, anything that isn't done in faith is sin. And if you're going against your convictions, then ultimately you're going against what you believe in. Mm. And so there might be that tension within yourself, even in, in, in terms of leading the company, second-guessing if you should be in this position or if you should hand it over to a man. Mm. Um, now, I know that a lot of men historically have abused this notion mm. and have done stuff that shouldn't be done and have restricted like highly qualified women from certain positions based on these notions. I don't necessarily believe in the one-leader model. Mm. And so with a one-leader then you might have a man or a woman. I believe in eldership leader model, mm. which should have a woman in it and it should have, it sh- the leadership should reflect the people they're leading. And so blah, if, blah, the blah. Leader, if the people are diverse, the leadership ought to be diverse. Definitely. If it's predominantly women, then it needs to be predominantly women. If it's predominantly male, then it needs to be, and yeah. it should be dynamic in that as the congregation or as the community changes, the leadership changes mm. to reflect it. And so... If you look at the leadership, you should see a subsection or like a sample of the people that you're actually leading. Yeah, and so, yeah, I, I'm like, and in having that, you won't have a man or a woman leading. You would have a group a of group, people yeah. leading. Um, and that's the way that I've almost seen it. Because even in the early church, Jerusalem, there was, there was a bunch of them leading. Mm. It wasn't just one person. Um, and even Paul submitted to their leadership and stuff like that and would go back and, and do things. And he went out with their blessing. Um, so, yeah, just kind of seeing an extension of that. So just wanted to toy that out with you. So there wasn't like a clear cut answer or anything. <laughs> just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it. But, yeah, that is me. Cool. Well done, Simi. Well, thank you. Thank you well very done. much. For being a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're going to get stoned one of these days. <laughs> and the thing is, you're not even going to know where the stone came from. <laughs> <laughs> you would j- literally just be walking on ends. I know, with so many suspects. Anyway, let's get into it today. So, cool. yesterday, I saw a trailer for... Spider-Man. No. It was for 
a new Charlie's Angel movie. Mm. Ooh. And <laughs> I didn't like it too much. I feel like they were trying to do the most with it. And then I was thinking, like, do we really need another Charlie's Angels movie? Like, did we really need another Toy Story? Toy Story. Movie? Oh no, no, Toy Story was banging. Toy Story did one. We need another Men in Black. Hold movie? on, hold on. No, we didn't need one did of those. Did we need another X Men movie? No, no, but that's the point I'm, I'm trying to make. It seems at at moment in Hollywood, they're they're very on this thing of remaking old classics instead of paving the way for for um, for, for, for new things. With this, so like with these new movies, do they do well enough that they deserve remakes, or like is the concept so good that you think that remakes are worth it? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, so, so maybe a better way of putting this is, what was the last remake remake you watched that was better than the original? Let's, mm. let, let's start with that. Does it have to be a film? It has to be a film. Okay. I don't um, think of any yeah. remakes. All that's coming to my mind is anime. But anime, the remakes tend to be better than the original because obviously the, the animation and stuff has advanced and so visually is a lot more appealing. And so like Hunter x Hunter, mm-hmm. the first one and they remade it. So, yeah. But I'm not quite sure if Dragon Ball's Super is all that better. than I know it moves at a faster pace, but this this is rearing off topic. I haven't seen a remake of a film. Does that count as a remake, though? Super. Because it goes through... It adds on to, but it does go through the old storyline as well. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure. That's what a good question. Something like... Um like the Lion King, so, so like you know how, the, how they're like remaking the new Lion King. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, like the Disney movies. And like Mowgli yeah. and remaking. stuff, yeah. And like Aladdin, like that just came up. Mm. And Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So like, do you think it's worth them remaking these old school classics? Do you? Know, yeah. I think yeah. I think they've not just remade it. They've added a new dimension in the fact that it's now live action. So before it was animated, and now it's real people. And I think that adds, it adds a different vibe to it. But then I feel like, at least when it comes to like cartoon films, mm-hmm. with cartoon films, they allow you to, because it's a cartoon, you're allowed to get away with more things than you would if it was like a live action. Mm. Mm. Um, so if we take Aladdin, the genie in Aladdin could do so many more crazy things than mm-hmm. Will Smith could as the genie. Mm. And like, that's something that, that you know going into making the movie. So, so knowing the limitations that you have with the live action mm. is yeah. worth recreating it. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree. In terms of the exaggerations and stuff, it's a lot more palatable coming through animations um, than a live action. And when the, live, when the actors in the live action tries to do the exaggeration, it just looks like you're forcing it. It's just, just stop. <laughs> but I heard something interesting. Um, I read something interesting on Twitter where they were saying that a lot of people are kind of focused on the remakes, especially of the Disney stuff, but haven't, but have missed that um, the copyright licenses on their products, I think it's like 40 years or something. And so the only way to renew it is to either do something again with the content or pay to renew it. Mm. And so in, in making a remake, you've used it again. And so you've, you're, you're, you're making money off of it rather than paying to keep it yours. And so there's like a smart business move mm. to renew the copyrights and stuff rather than just forking out and paying for it. Yeah. And so it might, it might very well be like Disney reinventing themselves, but it also might be like a clever ploy yeah. to do that. That's what happened with Captain Marvel. So, so like the, the Captain Marvel in the comics now came about because it was almost time for, 
I'm time up for like DC. I mean, Marvel being able to hold on to mm. the name I'm Captain Marvel. So and I mean, have Carol DC Danvers. Stole it again. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I really hope one day that Shazam can be called Captain Marvel again. Shout out to Shazam because Shazam is the guy. Anyway, so if you could pick any film that you've watched to be remade, which one would it be? Matrix. You f- no. <sighs> I think the Matrix was like great, great as it was. No, no, no. That's why I want it remade. But I think it's so much of a cult classic that you just leave it alone. <laughs> Do you know what? It's, it's just the, it's just the. Doof. I think if we had the technology, if we if they had the technology we have now, like the scenes would be sick. I think that. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Okay. Oh, nah, nah. Others are coming to me, but yeah. Okay. No, but I think that if you try to remake the Matrix mm. and like polish it off, mm-hmm. it wouldn't look. You wouldn't enjoy it as much because it's polished. Okay, I hear you. I hear you on that. What about you, Simi? I can't think of any movies I've watched in the past few years. This this is gonna sound bad, but like I'm just I'm just seeing some Nollywood flicks where it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) just the camera angles and everything. I just be like, we need to think about this a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I can't think of any. Ooh, I'd like the Twilight Saga to be remade. No, not that night. Only because I loved the films. Um, but yeah. So I was thinking about that, and it got me. The think- mask with the Jim Carrey. The mask could be interesting. The mask would be good. The mask with yeah. Jim. Yeah. Who would you get to play the mask? <clears throat> There's no one funny enough yeah. these days. No, but I, th- uh, but, but I also think that comedy has changed. So, like, it couldn't be the same kind of funny that it yeah. was back no, then. No, yeah. it wouldn't be. Hey, if Bernie Mac was still alive, he needs to be the mask. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a madness. I think, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Oh, I think ah, it'd be a good yeah. the same kind of humour, though. Ryan Reynolds is very sarcastic. Mm. Yeah. The mask isn't. But I think that could work. It could. If it's a remake, then it, it gives you, like, a bit of licence to, like, yeah, play around the character a bit. Adam Sandler? No, no. <laughs> so he won't. He won't. Trash. He won't carry the same weight. He won't mm. carry. <laughs> <laughs> he carries a different kind of weight. Um, but yeah, no. Adam Sandler's not that funny. Yeah, he's not. He's not that funny. I think Tom Hardy might make a good one. Or or a Robert Downey Jr. I think I love to see a Robert Downey Jr. mask. No, nah. he's he's not the right kind of person. Nah. You don't think so? No, Mm-mm. Robert Downey Jr. is quite typecast, you know as that kind of Tony Stark character. He's like that a lot. Yeah, he is actually. <laughs> mm. Okay, so whilst you guys thinking about that, <laughs> I was thinking, okay, do you think that there needs to be a remake of The Passion? The Passion of the Christ? Yeah. Or do you think that now that, that we have that, that Mel Gibson version, which is so sick, do you think that someone needs to go back and like redo it again? I don't know what you would add. Because it's legitimately set back in the old days. So what would you add to to be able to remake it and say, yeah, I've remade it and I've made it different mm. and I've made it fresh? I've read a few articles that have like critiques on it and they're, they're very much from like the Protestant Reformation, like um, evangelical side. And so they're, they're kind of, they're like they want things literally translated, mm. 
then this is a broad brush. Um, but I, I think, I think that with the passion, just the way that it is, it really hits home. Yeah. And so it's like, even if I think, especially when it comes to like stuff within the Bible, it could be like textually accurate and still miss the mark mm. if we if we're trying to make something visual that really hits home and stuff um but in saying that i would um have you guys come across the bible project on youtube it's a page that does like animations based on different biblical themes I and they've even got I've like they've even got like bible studies and stuff and they sell like a an anim not an animated but a um illustrated study bible mm. stop um, so I used to use some of their content with the youth at, at my church. I would love to see an animated version of the of the Passion of the Christ by them specifically, okay. just because of the way they've like explained scripture and stuff like that within their animations, and they use different um, art styles for different things, for different concepts, and I would like um, and they're able to explain things in such a way that is relatable by the old and the young so i'd love to see them kind of tackle that so yeah if you if if there was a remake of it i'd love to see the bible project guys do it as an animation do you think do, do you think we need like uh, a passion version of the nativity so, so like so, so, so like a depiction of the nativity in the same way that we had a depiction of mm. the crucifixion fam that 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 will be gory the christmas story won't be the same for the masses anyways. But then I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Because I, I, like, I, I feel like there's, there's, there's so many perceptions of, of, of what the story was that mm -hmm. are just like not factual. So like the thing of them being three wise men or um, Jesus being born during Christmas. Mm. And like you think about it, like, like the, the winters there would have been romantic. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, so, 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 so I think... And the funny thing is that wise men didn't even come when Jesus was born. It was the shepherds that came. Yeah. Oh, shepherds watch their flock by night. Don't see they don't Mumbling now. Anyway, um, what do you think? Remake of the um, Passion of the Christ? No, I think the Passion is as good a version as... As you'll ever... No, 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 but I think that it is everything that is needed. And I think if anyone tried to do that again, it's just a pride thing. I don't think. Mm. There's nothing you can add. You can't. I'd love to see that animation though. I just, I just thought right now, I would love to see someone tackle visually revelations. That would be crazy. Bloody. That will be a lot. Like, and like, obviously someone's going to have an issue with the version of revelations that they, they make. But like, just seeing one random dragon just flow through the scene is, is just going to be mad. Yeah. Um, I think that would be interesting. But I think, I feel like with Revelations, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot that's open to interpretation. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you don't get as much from it as you would. So if it's like, say, the crucifixion or like nativity. Yeah. And I think the reason I'm saying I would like to see it firstly is to see how the person tackles the difficulties and the nuances in revelations. So to do it, 
means that you believe you've got a handle on it. Mm. So I'd like to see what you think your handle on it is. And secondly, I'd like to see how you go about visualizing it. And so it might be like the person falls into a trance and everything is just surreal rather than literal. And so you're then able to move these different elements about more fluidly rather than a physical acting it out, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's why I'm like, I would love to see it. And plus, I, I know a lot of people that skirt around revelations. So to just have that visual aid Oh, that, but actually, yeah. that, that actually brings me on to what I, what I, want, I really wanted to talk about today. Um, so during all this thinking, I was also thinking that it feels like some parts of the Bible get more screen time than others mm. within the church. Mm. So like, I don't know how many stories that um, sermons I've heard about feeding of the 5,000, <laughs> but then you have whole books that never, never get touched. Mm. Mm. Books like Jude and... Habakkuk. Habakkuk. No, 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 no. I've heard the Habakkuk. So, uh, I've heard the Habakkuk somewhere before. But yeah, but there are some that um, never get touched. Mm. Do you guys think that um, certain stories need to be told as many times as they are, or do you think that they're just the easy ones? I feel like they're low-hanging fruit. Mm. Um, I think sometimes, especially if you're like guest preaching you don't want to come with a concept that's totally Mm. different to what the congregation may have heard. So you choose something that's, um, you know, something that they may have heard before Mm -hmm. and you try and put a a different slant on it Mm. so that, you know, their minds are opened a bit, but not too much Uh Um, (laughs) kind of thing. Like I've, the I am the vine has to be the favorite (sighs) of every guest pastor that has ever Mm. preached. Mm. I think, We've had one of those this we've year. Had like, <laughs> I think we've had it about four or five times in the past few months. We have actually, yeah. See, it's all blurred into one for you. It has. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same. Yeah, so like, so I'm just going through the books of, of the Bible now. Um, some you don't really get heard spoken about. Um, Ecclesiastes, not too often. Song of Songs. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything is one. Yeah, I've heard I was going to say that there's one or two, you know, some bars that people pick Songs up Songs of Solomon. There. The only time I see that is like maybe in a Valentine special. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever ones. Amos. Yeah. No one cares about Amos. Obadiah. Obahu. Micah. Jonah gets all the airtime. Jonah there. gets all the airtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nahum. Zephaniah. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard the sermon from Zephaniah. No. Uh, Haggai. I've heard Haggai once or twice. Yeah, once or twice. What's that about? I can't remember. Haggai's about when they had abandoned the temple and they were building their own houses and God was like, until you build a temple, everything that you do is going to fall to the side. Mm. I pray that I did not misquote that word. <laughs> I said that with so my chest. Awkward. <laughs> and even in like the New Testament, like so like you've got the Gospels, mm. you've got Acts, you've got Romans. Um, mm. Those ones are pretty, are pretty standard. But then you've got Ephesians, some Ephesians. If it, I think everything up yeah. to first, second, and third John, like I, yeah. I think everything apart from from there. Yeah, because Ephesians talk about um, spiritual armor, and I've heard a lot yeah. of spiritual armor. Is it all, all the Corinthians, Galatians? Yeah. What about Titus? Even Titus. What is Titus about? Um, <laughs> Paul wrote many letters. <laughs> um, Philemon. 
Philemon? Yeah, Philemon is one that gets left because he's yeah. asking for uh, Philemon to take back a slave or something. Yeah. So that's that's one that gets left to the side. Yeah, but um, all these all, all the stuff is in the Bible for a reason. Mm-hmm. So do you think that it does um, almost does a, a disservice to congregations and to people's spiritual lives if they never get get to, um, get to hear? Sermons preached, or you think it's 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 for, it's for people to go out and research these books by themselves? That's a good question. No, I was reflecting on my way here. It's funny enough, and it struck me that as a church, we have to take personal responsibility for our development, and in as much as we would like the leadership to feed us and to help nurture us and stuff. Um, the reality is that even with them doing that to us, who's doing that to them? Mm-hmm. There's a degree in which they're having to take personal responsibility for it. And by extension, we have to take personal responsibility for our, de- our, our growth within Jesus. Because if we say it's a personal relationship, then it has to be personal. It can't be personal and then now I'm relying on pastor to, to pass down information. We have to, we have to like take ownership over it, and so we have to take ownership over over going through the Bible. But I, I think that still doesn't remove the onus on the leadership who have willingly taken that responsibility and that position to lead a group of people. I feel we should place as much emphasis on things as the Bible places emphasis on it, and unless we 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 know the Bible personally we won't know how much emphasis it places on things. So, and so just, just just on that point, so with certain stories, like say the story of feeding of the 5,000, that, yeah. that, that appears multiple times mm-hmm. in the Bible. So do you think that that story is more important than other, other stories? No, because I believe that in as much as it appears about three times within the Bible, it so it happens twice, feeding of a multitude, mm-hmm. and it, it appears in about, the, I think it appears in the synoptics. Actually, no, it appears in, it, it appears in John's as well. Because yeah. just afterwards, yeah, Jesus says something that really strikes me. But um, the narrative contains it. And if we take the Gospels as a unified message, then it, it's happened twice. But it's been interpreted from different people's perspectives. And so if we take the whole biblical message... So if we see the repetition of Israel's backslide, God redeeming them, backsliding, God redeeming them, that happens countless times. And then as much as it's been documented throughout Kings and Chronicles in different ways, but we see that repeated so many times. And I feel like that is more relevant to us in terms of we backslide, but God still rescues us. Now we live, let's just say a hundred years. The ratio of what the, the amount of times that we're going to backslide and God rescues us is going to be countless. Now, within that, God will still be providing for us miraculously and stuff. And so that still has relevance, hence being in the Bible. But I still see the active work of, of God through Jesus restoring us from backsliding happening more consistently within our lives and hence more consistently within the biblical narrative. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, what, yeah. What do you think, Simi? Um, Well, I think in general, um, if you really think about it, each pastor every Sunday does maybe eight, nine verses in a particular sermon. Mm. And I'm doing a Bible in one year plan. And 
I have to read maybe three or four chapters each day just mm. to read the Bible in one year. So if you really think about it, no pastor is ever, like even if he, if he preached every Sunday a different verse, he's never going to be able to do the whole Bible for the mm. congregation. Uh, no, remember we were doing that, we were, was it John Piper? Oh yeah, no, but he, he was taking books at a time. Yeah, so like, so like um, and John Piper was, was um, so with, with his church, they were going from Genesis to Revelation, mm. some, like a sermon at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, where were we listening from? Were we doing the Gospels? No, he, no, I can't remember. I don't know. We're listening to some, yeah, we're, we're, we're listening to one book in the Bible. Dope. And, it, and then he was saying how um, some people joined us in like, um, in like um, Sam, First Samuel, some people came in like First Kings mm. and they've just been going through it throughout the years until they, uh, until they got through the whole Bible. I like that. Which I thought was cool. I mean, I think we, could, we calculated it'd probably take about 30 years <laughs> that way to have a sermon about each part of the Bible. But they got through it. If you, if you, if you stay at the church, you get yeah. through the Bible <laughs> and have a sermon preached on every... Um, yeah. So do you think that there are some parts of the Bible that don't need to be preached on? No. Okay. Mm? How comes? Yeah. Because it's there. It's like God has seen fit to... So there's, there's like two different versions of the Bible. There's a Catholic version and there's a Protestant version. So most of the ones that we come across is the Protestant version. And in a Protestant version, there are books missing that are in the Catholic version. And there's like, if you want to know why, do you, um, like just Google it. There's, it's an interesting story. <laughs> um, yeah, it's long. Well, it's not long. It's, it's actually really fascinating um, why it's, it's not in there. Um, but I believe that I think it's First Peter that says God has given us all things pertaining to godliness and the knowledge in the knowledge of Jesus. So it is in knowing Jesus that we get to know and have the knowledge pertaining to living a godly life. And I believe we need the full counsel of the Word in order to be able to grasp the fullness of what God has seen fit to reveal to us. Mm. And so I feel like there's nothing within the Bible that has no relevance or does has less relevance preaching. I believe that there will be certain seasons in which certain scriptures and stuff will have more importance or be more relevant. Um, but I believe that everything holds weight and everything should can and should be shared from the pulpit to edify the people. So if I gave you a sermon topic and it was, I mean, I think it's the, the, the part in Numbers where it's talking about the, the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. The dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, so it's yeah. so, so, so like how God wanted it to be created. Mm-hmm. What would you preach a sermon? So basically, <laughs> you're getting me to, to devise a sermon on the spot. Yeah. So basically, from that, I could I could say that God is a God of order. Okay. Like, there are, there are certain things that God wants for us in terms of to better reflect him. To better reflect him for us. And so the world has dimensions. Time has dimensions. Like, everything that we are constrained to that there's, there's dimensions and there are limits to it. Now, this is just throwing out an idea, but um, God is not bound by these. And so we serve a God that is outside of everything that he has put in place for our benefit, but is still able to reach into it to change things for us. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what I would have to preface or preface or however you pronounce it, um, 
the me- the, by this segment with is that before I take on any like preaching engagement or whatever, I actually pray and I'm like, all right, cool, this is the scripture they've given me. What do you have or what do you want to convey from this? Or do you want me to go somewhere else? Lead me to it. And so it's not, I know people that will get the scripture and just come up with something like that. But I'm like, I don't, I don't trust you when you do that because you haven't heard from God. You haven't prayed to find out what God is saying. Like you've just based on a text and your exegesis, you're trying to come up with something that you think is in line with the text. Cool. But there's no spirit to your word. So mm. well, go on. So yeah, it's very much like spirit and truth. So it's praying to see what God is saying, what God lays on your heart to move forward with it. Um, so yeah, that's what I would always do. But as soon as you threw it down, this was the, this was the thing that kind of came to my mind. It sounded like bar still, I can't lie. <laughs> okay, so before we round up, just quickly, what is one story or one book in the Bible you wish was preached on more for you personally? I'll let you start. Okay. Um... Obviously, Songs of Solomon. You don't know, don't know, don't know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, okay, I'm not joking, but I'm joking. Um, definitely Hosea, just because it's, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible, and I don't think it gets much screen time. Is that the prostitute one? Yeah. Yeah. Robert loves the prostitute mm. one. I shall. That's me. <laughs> Brother, all the prostitutes that God has saved. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, a bit more on Hosea. And a bit less on Jonah and the whale. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone preaches about Jonah and the whale. I yeah, just think do. it's I think it's a story we've heard so many times that mm. is ingrained in our minds. That one, yeah. And I I feel like they should switch up the Bible, um, the Sunday school stories as well. Mm. It's, it's not really Jonah. It's not every day David and Goliath. Um. <laughs> and Father Abraham had many sons. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what are you guys? What's the story you wish was preached on? I think they should preach about revelations. Yeah, but that one is just so Bro. up for Do you know? um, interpretation. Yeah, but you're hearing from God, so it's not your interpretation. It's God's interpretation. Hopefully, that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard some wild stuff coming from Revelation, <laughs> but wild. Um, I, I actually had a conversation with Peter where I was like, I intentionally avoid revelations. Because it just, like, just confuses my mind. It's such a sick book to read, though. It's a sick book to read, but when... Because apparently there's about, like, 12 or 7 or 12 um, separate narratives within it. And so it's, like, trying to distinguish between the beginnings and the ends and how this... Yeah, it's just it's just mad. Um, I don't know. I think that there's like, um, yeah, I think what I'd like for people to preach on more, was that the question? Yeah. Was the scripture that actually mentioned after, in John, after Jesus fed the multitudes, when they came to Jesus and asked, um, tell us what, what is the work of God that we may do it? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in the Son. That's it. This is the work of God that you believe in the Son. And it's like, I feel like we're living or surrounded, we're living in an age where people are very much trying to do things in church or Mm. to be seen for for doing things. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. 
I'm just, what I am saying is that I see a striving to do rather than a striving to be and believe in who is. People rather like chase the gifts and the callings and stuff rather than just digging in and believing in Jesus. And it's just like, yeah, if you, if you are engrafted into the vine, going back to the, the true I vine, if you're engrafted into the vine, you will bear fruit. Mm. That there's no ifs or buts. You will bear fruit and he will prune you to bear more. So what you need to be concerned about is actually drawing from the vine rather than bearing fruit because you will bear fruit if you're, if you're engrafted into it. Mm-mm. So yeah, that, that's something that just to shake up perspectives because everyone is just after gifting, calling, this and that. Just, just believe in Jesus. Just believe in Jesus. Cool. Right. I'm happy with, with that. Um, hookups? I, um, this is a bit pretentious, but my blog is dropping, yeah? Jeez. Come on. Right, my blog is dropping. So my hookup is for you to listen out for when I drop the hookup. You know, like that. I'm wetting your appetites. Yeah? Mm. So hopefully next week mm. I'll drop the thing. Appetizer. Yeah? Come on. Come on. TBC to be confirmed. Come dun, on. Dun, 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 no. <laughs> um, Simi, do you want to go next? So Simi wants to hook up my blog no. as well. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> blog that I just found out about with the rest of them. Nope. Um, last time I was on here, I ho- um, my hookup was the Women's World Cup that had just started. Now it's on the semi-finals, so I would still say watch it. It's been amazing so far. There's been ups there's been downs there's been absolute nonsense from var but you know what we love it um also african cup of nations is out all you people pretending that you're british you are not you have a country that you're descended from watch them in the african cup of nations i'm from ghana cricket world cup is also on that's been interesting they're still in the group stage i think there are only two more matches each and then formula one is on this weekend um, actually, I think it's on right now. But yeah, watch it. Yeah, I love sports. So yeah, that's cool. my hookup. My hookup for this week is a YouTube channel, um, Tutvid. Mm. Um, he is someone who just teaches you how to do different things on software like Photoshop, um, Premiere Pro, mm-hmm. um, After Effects. He shows you how to, you know, do two two stylies and thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know, don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, thank you for listening, guys. Um, yeah, hopefully Peter will be back next week. Because <laughs> he seems to think if he gets his priorities Fam. straight, he, obviously, I can't believe he thinks his family is more important than us. Fam. he's such Trash. a biggest. Fam. <laughs> come on, like it's the pot, it's the furnace, baby. Furnace, ah, with the fire. Anyway, shout out to Reed for the intro outro music. <laughs> Carmen Turner for the ordinary amazing logo. You can find us at Twitter at the Furnace UK. You can either email us at tbs tbs furnace at hotmail you can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash blacksmiths furnace no apostrophe on all good podcasts and websites including iTunes and Spotify. Just look for the blacksmith furnace with that apostrophe. And I think that's it. Which means the blacksmith's furnace is signing up. Oh, actually, Simi, thank you for coming down. To the <laughs> oh, thanks. Much appreciated on that. <laughs> You're always welcome. But yeah, this is the blacksmith's furnace signing out. Blow. You're <laughs>